0: Welcome to Not in a Huff with, with Jackson Huff, Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me, as always. Really appreciate it. This week, going back into the world of interesting professions, learning about a really cool one today, and that is the life of a ballet dancer. You know, I'm from Indiana. I live in Indianapolis. So, of course, I found someone from the Indianapolis Ballet to speak with, and that's Yoshiko Kamakusa. She's just a a really cool person. I have been to a few ballets. That's kind of how I I found her. I'm going to tell her about that, but you know, she's always kind of the one of the leads of, of uh, you know, a lot of the performances. So I thought, what what better person to uh, to reach out to? So we talk all about what got her into ballet, what it means to be a professional ballet dancer. Um, obviously, a lot of people, you know, know the term ballerina. I think they can be a little interchangeable, but we went with ballet dancer. Uh, kind of shows us a little bit more of the, the art form that it is. Uh, we talk about, you know, what it, what uh, you know, the process of, of becoming a professional is. We talk about the, you know, the costuming. We talk about the shoes. I think that's going to really surprise people, just the overall cost and how often they need new shoes. Um, I talk about her favorite ballets and her least favorite ones. And, you know, of course, about the Nutcracker that everyone knows about. Maybe that's the one that uh, anytime anyone thinks of ballet, that's what they think about with Christmas time. But you know, there's a lot of other ballets all throughout the year. Uh, this was a, a cool one, just kind of hearing the you know the background of, of of a profession that most of us don't have. What it means you know day in and day out to to make that your your full time profession. So I really appreciate Yoshiko's time. Glad she decided to join me. I think you're gonna enjoy this one, whether you have you know, I've been a ballet fan for for years or whether you've never been to a ballet or just kind of want to hear about uh, someone's unique profession. So without further ado, here is my interview with Yoshiko Kamakusa. I'm here today with Yoshiko Kamakusa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I, you know, I don't ever kind of hide what we talk about beforehand. Did I say your name correctly?
1: Yes, it was
0: perfect. You nailed it. <laughs> All right. Well, it would be, I guess it would be kind of awkward if you're like, no, nah, that was not how we practiced. <laughs> no, but we're we're obviously going to talk about ballet um, and you being a, a professional ballet dancer. But before we get to that, just tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. I know you just came back from Japan um, where you have some some family you were visiting, but just talk a little bit about uh, Yoshiko.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I- I was born in Tokyo, Japan, uh, and I actually moved to Hawaii when I was six. Um, The relocation was just uh, because of my dad getting a job there, and my mom wanted, she loves Hawaii, so she wanted me to kind of grow up there. Uh, So I did elementary there, and then I actually moved to Canada where I actually started pursuing more professional ballet training. And then when I was eighteen, I got my first contract uh, with a professional ballet company called the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, um, which is situated in Winnipeg, Canada. And then I danced there for five seasons before coming to Indianapolis uh, to be a founding company member with Indianapolis Ballet.
0: Yeah, and I want to kind of talk about that those early days of ballet. But I guess that kind of just shows how uh, how much ballet is ingrained in you because you know, I asked you what, what, tell me about life outside of ballet. It didn't take, but maybe 30 seconds before it got switched to ballet again. So (laughs) tell us about some of the things that, uh, you know, you like doing outside of ballet, or is it really just that consumes, consumes your, your being. You know, I always have trouble with this question because yes,
1: you're right in a sense of, and I, it just shows how much I love the profession and how much dedication it takes. But you know, it's it's not the type of work that you can sort of leave at the studio and then just um, forget about it. I mean, you know, I think it's important to have a, um, a switch, an on and off switch at a certain point, but there's just so much to think about and there's depth and you can always improve in terms of technique, artistry. There's a lot of that. So um, yes, a majority of my time is spent thinking about my career and what the art form requires, but Uh, I guess how I would spend my lazy weekends would be just binge watching Netflix or just TV shows, um, just to sort of shut my mind off in a sense. Um, I do like, you know, getting coffee with some friends, maybe, um, and just uh, resting, really. It does take a lot of you um, physically and emotionally, uh, this work, so rest. is definitely important
0: too i I get that for sure for sure so tell us what what's the proper term is it ballet dancer obviously everyone knows ballerina what what's Mm -hmm. the right term is that i mean I, i really don't know
1: honestly um both of those terms are great um i think a lot of us like to put professional ballet dancer just because there are so many people who don't know or understand that ballet is an actual profession. Wow,
0: yeah, I get you. I get you. <laughs> so you talked about that first, uh, your first stop in, in Canada, but let's maybe take a, a step just a little further back. And what got you into ballet to begin with? Because I feel like so many, you know, kids go to ballet class and maybe they do it for a few years and then they move on to jazz and hip hop and then, you know, T-ball or something. So what made you, I guess, stick with it? And this is your, your profession. So talk about those early years.
1: Um, Absolutely. Uh, When I was seven, my parents actually took me to a local ballet studio in Hawaii. Funnily enough, Um, you would think I would do Hawaii, um, Hawaiian hula or something, but um, I did ballet um, and, Uh, I just so happened that my mom mostly wanted me to take part in some form of exercise, but not gymnastics because she wanted an element of artistry to it too. By the way, my parents, neither of them are ballet dancers or any sort of um, athletes. So that's uh, has nothing to do with it, but um, yeah, I think she just wanted um, physical activity and artistry to be in my life. And, you know, I was pretty I was a pretty obedient child, I think. I just um went when they took me to lessons, but I think I just didn't oppose at that point. And I just kept going and it became like tradition and a habit and um I guess I liked it. And so I stuck with it. And I think the moment I knew I wanted to be a professional or like how I wanted to make it a profession was probably when I was eleven. That was when I went to my first international ballet competition. And uh, I saw all these incredibly talented dancers that were basically my age, but um, technically I wasn't as far along. Um, so that kind of inspired me to see what I could be if I took on professional training. So as soon as I graduated elementary school, I moved to a more professional ballet setting in uh,
0: in Canada. So I gotcha. What was it like? I guess kind of making that move. Obviously beforehand, it's. You're you're competing at a high level, I'm I'm sure with some of these competitions, but to actually now take it professional, you know, be be paid to do what you love. What what I mean, how did that step feel?
1: Uh, Well, I think first of all, meeting my uh, very amazing and talented teachers at the school in Vancouver. It was named Go Ballet Academy. Um, So they were principal dancers with the Leningrad Ballet, which was also another very big company. And they just they just opened my eyes to um, just not only of course technique um, because they did uh, drill me on that very much in uh, training, but they taught me what um, dance with a soul or just soulful dancing looks like, and um, they really taught me how to express myself. And I think that was the biggest step that I personally um, I guess received from them in order to become the professional that I wanted to be. Um so I think that helped me stand out in my career. So I really owe a lot
0: to them. Absolutely, for sure. So I want to kind of break it down. Um, you know, I've asked Olympic gold medalists and professionals and a lot of other sports kind of to to really go down to the the bare bones. Some people, some people like this, but the the listeners definitely do. But tell us uh, Exactly what ballet is. We're talking so much about ballet and and some people, I assume most people, unless you, you know, you're, you live in, in a, in a box, but I assume most people know ballet, but just, just tell us exactly what it is. It may be kind of cool to hear the perspective of somebody who, who does it at such a high level.
1: Uh, sure. Um, so ballet, um, just a tiny bit of history. It was a formalized form of dance um, with its origins in Italian Renaissance courts um, during the 15th and 16th centuries. Um, and it spread from uh, Italy to France with the help of Catherine de' Medici, um, where ballet developed even further um, under her aristocratic influence. And so um, that's kind of why um, the French vocabulary or terms that we use in ballet are so predominant because it kind of spread first in France Um, but originated in Italy. Um, I guess the best way to describe it is mm, well I mean it's known for it's standing up on point on top of our toes you know that's probably a signature that I think everyone is familiar with Mm. Um, and perhaps the the classical tutus which are the um I guess skirts that are made of tulle um that uh that extend from the dancer's hips which the women wear mostly um but uh with a bodice um so that's like the classical tutu look that you would normally see in valleys like Sleeping Beauty um, Swan Lake and just traditional valleys like that so I think those are some of the I guess, uh, easy to understand symbols of ballet, I suppose. Um, In terms of movement, yeah, I think there's this bit of um, regal elegancy because it originated in aristocratic roots, Um, but uh, it's ever evolving. I mean, it is a very historical and traditional form of dance, but um, with just everything that's evolving um, in terms of, I guess, the age and era that we're in right now, with everything sometimes becoming modernized, we have different, I guess, branches of classical ballet, if you will, um, where you kind of deviate from the very proper um, structure of uh, the classical positions and make it more contemporary, fused, or modern or jazzy. So there's a there's definitely um, uh, improvements and evolution in, uh, in, in ballet as well. So it's not stagnant, although it is very heavily rooted in traditional classical roots.
0: And you talked about kind of the, the, the tutus, and that's obviously mostly worn by, by female ballet dancers. This is kind of a, a, a separate question, but how, you know, how hard is it to, to get males into the, the, the profession? Is it something that it is a struggle? Um, Because obviously we kind of, a lot of people look at ballet for better or worse as as a female dominated profession, Um, but it, but it shouldn't be that way. Is Mm -hmm. there an issue with finding, you know, male dancers or is there plenty and, you know, you're able to weed out the the cream of the crop?
1: Yeah, I think it's always um, a kind of a prolonged issue that, you know, boys or male dancers, um, you know, they have the stigma that it's just a not a manly thing to do, but then you know, with all this um, I guess uh, progress and just difference in perspective nowadays with um, gender and how that's defined for everyone, um, I think we've become so much more open-minded and I guess um, just willing to see new ways and not just um, stereotype gender roles. Um, but it, it is a fine line because, Again, it is so um, historical and I think there's a lot of people who love the art form because of its um, traditional roots um, but then I think there is room for uh, for all these changes that we can welcome and I do think Valley is headed into a a very more it's a uh, or very new direction I guess um, from for your um, original question yeah I think it just takes a little bit of courage for some male dancers to stick to ballet. Um, if they love it, they'll do it no matter what. There's actually quite a few, um, male dancers who are really just promoting, um, you know, dance for boys and, um, to stop bullying and harassing for if they have an interest in it, you know, cause there's nothing wrong with it. And it's actually a very athletic and difficult thing for men because they partner all the time. They have women over their heads and, you know, it's not an easy, um, there's nothing um, you know, silly about it.
0: So uh, no, absolutely for sure. But uh, talk about how you you made it in how you decided to to come to Indianapolis and and then also to kind of be a, a founding member of uh you know the the professional ballet scene here. Um I, I don't know a ton of history about you know Indianapolis ballet. I know that it was only been a few years that we had a you know a professional group. I don't know whether we ever have in the past, or this is really the the first one, but I feel like it takes uh, a special kind of person to, to uproot themselves and not, you know, not go to an established company. You're, you're, you're kind of being a founding member. So that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it is cool because um, my professional career started with the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, which was my previous company. And um, they have a history about 76 or seven years now, So it's a very, very old um, company and they have much longer history, um, which is wonderful. Um, And I learned so much from my experiences there, but I just, in 2018, I had this opportunity to come to Indianapolis, which I got through an audition um, because normally that's how you uh, get a job offer, like with any say Broadway or theater, anything like that. Um, So uh, I just sent in my audition to the artistic director and uh, she just happened to take a real liking to me and we had the same visions. And, um, you know, it was a risk coming here because a new company can, you know, fold at any time. And I mean, we've been through a pandemic, I mean, still going through a pandemic right now. So that has been hard on the arts scene, but nevertheless, we're still going strong. And so my, I guess my relationship with my director was... Just something that I really look forward to here and uh, debuted in 2018. Um, And I actually believe there was a professional ballet company before Indianapolis Ballet in Indiana. Um, I believe it was called Ballet International, Um, but it folded, I want to say 10, 15 years ago. That could be wrong. (laughs) But so, and then our artistic director, our current artistic director, she actually opened a school uh, Indianapolis School of Ballet in 2006, I want to say. Um, so she she built the school first. which So it has uh, about 10 or ooh, I want to say maybe 15 years um, history, the school. And then she, in 2018, felt it was time to uh, build the company that she's always wanted. So that's when our, I guess,
0: company started. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you came from from Canada to the to Indianapolis. I'd hate for you to have been, you know, in the Sarasota <laughs> ballet and then have to deal with, with this. So uh, you know, it's not as bad as some areas, but I'm sure you're used to some of that cold weather in Canada.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, just so happens that Winnipeg is probably one of the coldest in Canada as well. I think it was one of the top five coldest cities in the world, to be honest oh my so, gosh uh, yeah so I ha- I have been to the ends of the earth <laughs> there in Hawaii would be quite a contrast
0: <laughs> yeah that there there's the move that I'm sure shocked your system from Hawaii to Winnipeg uh,
1: yeah I did have Vancouver in between yeah. so uh it was a little bit of a cushion before I went into the plunging <laughs> tundra
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's crazy for sure so you know the Indianapolis Ballet it's just a few years old. Obviously, mm-hmm. when it comes to you know any kind of arts and and definitely in a uh, you know a mid-sized city like Indianapolis, it is. A, I'm sure it's a it's an interesting kind of thing to to undertake. Hopefully, things are going well. This is, I guess this isn't the time to say mm, I don't know. It's not <laughs> going so well. But hopefully, things That's are going true. well.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is going well. Sure, Indianapolis isn't San Francisco or New York, and they don't. They may not have the most diversified arts scene and they may not be as familiar with ballet. Um, but I feel like in the past you know few years that we've been active, we've received great feedback. And I think the community really appreciates what we do. And especially during this time when you know things are you know, a little uncertain and dark and confusing for so many people, I feel like what we do do really makes a difference and makes their lives just a little bit more uh, joyful and happy and uh, I guess inspirational in a way. So um, I, I think we're doing really well. Um, we, we're pretty proud of what we've done so far and we just, uh, we hope that we'll keep it up.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, you know, anytime I talk to someone, I talk to some Irish dancers, I've talked to people who who do other kind of, of sport. And then also, you know, cosplay and all kinds of stuff. I always like to kind of hear about the, in some things it's costuming, but in this, this is not necessarily a costume, but tell us just a little bit about the ballet shoes or something that are very, I I don't know. I don't really see them as a shoe. I know we talked a little bit about that. So what exactly, how does that work?
1: So I actually have some on hand right here um, just so it might be easier for me to explain. Yeah. so the box, this is the box at so, the so top. It, the, the front um,
0: is, is a flat,
1: flat front. Yeah, it is a rigid enclosure um, at the front of the shoe that encases and supports the dancer's toes. Um, and the platform is flat so that the dancer can balance and just um, make things a little bit smoother when they go on top of their toes. Uh, conventionally, the box is um, made from a tightly packed or not a uh, from tightly packed layers of paper and fabric uh, that have been glued together and shaped into this enclosure. Um, when the glue dries it hardens uh, so it provides the stiffness, stiffness that we need for the support. Um, and then we have the sole here of the shoe which is usually made from a piece of leather and then in the inside there is a thing called a shank which is also uh, normally made from leather Sometimes plastic, cardstock, Um, the flexibility of the shank. uh, It usually is determined by its thickness and the type of material used. Um, And then the entire shoe is covered with fabric, which conceals all the box and the inside elements. And then it's usually satin and pink. Um, Although right now, because we're supporting people of all colors and diversity, they have started making it in darker colors or just to uh, accommodate people's skin. So that's been really um, a really cool experience. Uh, so yeah, um, so for me, I, I wear a thing called a toe sack. I wear this on top of my um, big toe um, and then I put spacers in between and then I put the toe pad on and then I insert my foot into the shoe and then um, the shoes at the beginning they just come like just the shoe, so they don't have the elastic and the ribbons on them. Mm. The elastic, so when you put your shoe, when no, when you put your foot in your shoe, you need the support to keep your foot in with the elastic. Uh, I do mine's crisscross some people do it just across uh, again that's individual and then we have things called ribbons on both sides of the shoe which we tie around our ankle so that it gives us extra support um, around the ankles because a lot of our work we do um, with uh, pointing our feet um, and we need that support when we go up so yeah, yeah I yeah. guess that's
0: yeah no for sure for the best sure. way Hopefully yeah. that's uh you know you, I, you you did an awesome job as far as explaining it obviously it's a little <laughs> harder when it's you know it's it's uh verbally rather than actually yes. able to, you know for the viewers and and listeners to see so yeah I, I appreciate that for sure uh, what what's the kind of cost that go into this I I feel like I've seen somewhere that you know really good uh ballet shoes are are not uh, are not a cheap thing
1: They are not that is a actually a frequent question that's been asked um it varies, again, um, from the different types of brands of shoes. Uh, but generally, they can cost anywhere from 75 a pair to 125 and that's per pair. Uh, again, depending on the dancer, they can crush that, or like the shoe can lose its life, which means it gets too soft. And it can't be used anymore um, within a day, some people. Some people, <laughs> for me, that doesn't happen. I, um, it just depends on how strong your arches and other aspects of how much dancing you do and things like that. But, uh, uh, for me, it personally lasts about a week a pair. So that's pretty reasonable, um, for most. Uh, so if you think a pair a week is usually kind of, at least for me, the, I guess, the general line. But, um, uh, some people, like I said, they can, Uh, Use the shoe and it can be good for only a day, possibly a few
0: hours. So, oh my goodness, I assume that if it's that uh, much and that frequent, that that's something that's built into a lot of people's, you know, contracts or whatever. I'm sure you're not having to, to cover these costs, at least I hope so.
1: No, so that's the biggest difference between a professional and a student. Um, professional companies they normally provide you with at least a certain number of shoes or some big companies they may have the funds to provide unlimited shoes as necessary but um, most companies they have a bit of a limit but yes uh, shoes are provided by the company students so when we were students (laughs) our parents uh, definitely uh, took a hit (laughs) because those things are expensive (laughs) And, uh, I know my parents have paid a lot out of their pocket to, uh, support my ballet training. It is very expensive. So, uh, uh, I think I'm just happy that I just made it into a profession, um, because they, uh, put out a lot for me to make this happen.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I'm Yeah. As a, uh, you know, an amateur can, I mean, is there shoes that you can wear longer or is it really a, a week for even, for even the, the amateurs at it?
1: Honestly, the shank of the shoe um, or the box of the shoe, um, there are different uh stiffnesses. So it can be harder or softer depending on how how flexible or how strong your foot is. So for me, I don't have the most archious foot, but I have a strong enough foot to make the articulation and all of that foot work. Um, but uh, my shoe doesn't die as quickly as others. Some people who have a very high arch, um, have a more difficult time managing the lifespan of their shoe, um, just because their feet are so strong that it can just break the shoe really quickly. Um, but as an aesthetic, um, ballet is all about that beautifully pointed arched foot. So, um, there are pros and cons to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I I like the shoe doesn't die. I, I think that's that's a funny way to put it. I, I think that's cool. So let's, yeah. let's let's get beyond the the shoes. I, I that's definitely something okay. that I think a lot of people uh, kind of wonder about, just because they are you know they're a, a very specialized shoe and one that people you know it allows you to do something that's not natural no. to most people, which is to be able to get up on your, know, your, your, your tippy toes. So, uh-huh. so, uh, I, let's, let's talk about maybe some, some things that would surprise people about being a, a professional ballet dancer.
1: Um, um I think, I, I guess the longevity of the profession, to be honest, um, again, that's also individual in a sense, but I think a lot of people think it's, um, It's just something that you do maybe in your 20s and then you're done. At least that's kind of how I've been uh, met with some people. But if you're a very good dancer and you don't have career or you're lucky enough to not have career ending injuries, you could possibly go up to late 30s, 40s or early 40s. Um, So. It's not as short as I'd say like a Olympic gymnast, you know, like uh, if they would be finished before their thirties. But again, you know, if you do have a career ending injury, it's uh, very possible that, you know, you could finish very early on. But I I always feel like because our careers do have a time limit, um, we do have the possibility of second careers and anything we wanted if we put
0: our minds to it. So. Yeah. And that's something I always ask athletes is just the longevity of, of the sport that they're in and, and, you know, what, what their, what the plan is afterwards, because there's a lot of Olympic athletes I've talked to that, you know, you're, you're a, an old person on the team if you're 30 and still there, yeah. so I you know, that, that second career is something that's really big for, for most athletes. And it sounds like mm-hmm. maybe it's a, a, maybe a decade later for, for ballet, but, but definitely not taking you to, you know, retirement age. So what are right. most what are most people doing as as a second, you know, career from from being a professional? Is it something that a lot of people go and teach ballet, at, you know, at a, a school? Is it something mm-hmm. that people are going and becoming firemen, or what are what are most people doing outside of uh, once yeah. they leave?
1: I mean, I want to say that teaching is definitely a very common path. I mean, we spent so much of our lives learning about it, so it's it's pretty normal for us to like pass it on the information as teachers or as um, uh, uh, ballet, we call it masters, but they're kind of like coaches for a company Uh, or they could become artistic directors or um, if they want to stay in this uh, realm of ballet. But some people uh, they are, if, especially if they had um, experience with injuries, they might become physical therapists or Hmm. personal trainers or, or maybe even yoga instructors. I don't know. But um, the possibilities are endless. Or some people just choose to not have anything to do with ballet anymore. And they might just start a whole new, uh, I guess maybe they would go back to school and get a degree in business or something and then start a company on their own. So um, honestly, uh, everyone does very different things. So
0: yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. So you talked about the injuries, Let, let's, let's talk about some of those common injuries. Again, you're doing something that's not necessarily the most natural. So I'm sure that mm-hmm. comes with, comes with injuries. So what are some common injuries to, uh, to ballet dancers?
1: Uh, I would say ankle sprains are very common. Um, just because, <laughs> you know, uh, we were, we're on our toes and, uh, there's a lot of uh, stress on our calves and lower extremities, um, ACL tears, uh, the ligaments in our knees. Um, if some people just, uh, dislocate their knees pretty quickly too. uh, hip, hip, uh, hip tears maybe. Mm. Uh, and for men, I would say, uh, shoulder impingements or, uh, back problems, um, just from all the lifting and heavy loading, um, so things like that are very common
0: <laughs> yeah 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 so what does i mean what is the the typical day look like as somebody who is professional ballet dancer i'm sure it, it varies depending on you know whether there's a, a you know a show coming up but what is i mean is it something that you're i assume you're going and practicing every day but just kind of describe those those typical days
1: mm-hmm. so for our company we um On a normal rehearsal schedule, we would go from Monday to Friday, generally from 9.30 to 5, but those hours could differ if you're not in a certain rehearsal or not needed that day, Um, just depending on the uh, repertoire or um, performance rehearsals that we need. Um, So we always start the day with um, class. Uh, from 9 30 to 11 uh, which is basically like a warm-up for us um, and a place to also um, hone your technique and make sure that we're ready for the day ahead with our rehearsals for the shows Um, When it's performance week, we would normally start from Tuesday. So we would have the weekend and Monday off because we would go until Sunday for the shows. Because normally our shows are um, on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, So we would probably uh, have later start days around 11, 12-ish, and then go later until like 9 or so. Um, And we would have like stage rehearsals before shows as
0: well. So, yeah. So at this point, you know, are, when you're rehearsing for a show, is Mm -hmm. it, you know, learning the, the moves and making sure you've got them all memorized, excuse me, are you still at a point that you're ever actually learning new technique? I mean, I assume maybe you, you are, but is, which one is it more memorizing these moves because you've already pretty much got every, all the technique down, or are you still learning, you know, technique as a professional?
1: Ooh, um, I want to say both, um, because choreography can differ even for traditional, um, classical ballets. Uh, again, like I said, Swan Lake, Sleeping Beauty, um, versions can um differ among companies. So, if you weren't, um, if you haven't practiced or are familiar with a, say, a pedipa version of uh, Don Quixote because you've only done the Nuriev version or something like that um, you would have to learn new parts and, or new choreography and then again different roles say if you're a leading role or if you're in the ensemble or things like that So um, I think memorizing and learning choreography will always be a process um, unless you've done the part um, a couple times but there's always something new to learn even with the steps too Um, technically you're always learning new things, um, because I mean, our bodies are just never, we work every day, um, to make sure that we can control our bodies as much as possible, but we're human. Um, there's definitely going to be off days no matter how hard we train. And, um, so I guess the reason why we rehearse so much is to try and get that consistency to say at least to a level of, um, I want to say 85, 90%. I think that would be great. And that way you're ready for even when you're tired or when you are having an off day, it's still at a pretty good um, level when you do those shows. I mean, with shows, you know, there's the added pressure of, a new, of an audience of costumes, of lighting and nerves and all of that. So you have to make sure that the technique will be there for you. By the time you get there. But um, the process is always never ending. And I think that's what's so interesting and at times frustrating with this profession because there's no such thing as perfection. But again, I think that's the beauty of live performance as well. So that's what kind of makes ballet, strangely, in a way, although it's like an ethereal sort of thing and there's a bit of perfection, um, I suppose, that kind of um is thought of about the ballet but it's also very human because of our capabilities as human beings i guess
0: so yeah i think that's that's an awesome way to put it for sure so i i've been to two i've obviously i live in indianapolis i've been to two of you know the indianapolis ballet performances a couple years ago i don't know the the you know the years but a couple years ago i went to oh man i knew this and now i've already forgotten what did i go to you don't know do you
1: uh we do quite a several shows so <laughs> if you could kidding. give me a year and
0: maybe <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding i'm kidding it was it was a it was a valentine's it was around valentine's okay.
1: day okay okay um it could be a mixed program uh firebird uh
0: ruby's uh, Paquita. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, there's- <laughs> I knew. It, I knew it beforehand. I should have written it down. But I went to one. That's okay. One then, and then you know, this year I went to the Nutcracker, which I, is uh-huh. a is a huge thing. Um, uh-huh. you know, that's. I mean, that's the whole reason that I I decided to reach out to you. This is something I, I'm sure you weren't necessarily going to say, but just to kind of plug you. I feel like most of the the shows that I've seen, you're kind of one of the the leads, you're probably one of the better people in the, in the company. <laughs> so, so I guess the question, and, and, and I, I give you kind of that compliment because I'm going to ask you one of the hardest questions probably. And that is okay. what are, you know, what are some of your favorite play? And it's not plays, favorite performances, favorite things that you do. And then some of your least favorite, because I feel like, like the one that I feel like would probably be the least favorite. And this is probably not the case, but is the nutcracker because everyone Knows that one so well, you know, it's the one that you guys go to an entirely different theater. And I feel like if I was a ballet dancer, you know, I would, I would hate that one because this is the only, this is the one time a year, all these people that don't even know ballet come and see us. And we put, you know, we bust our tail and all these other, you know, all these other things and, and everyone just cares about the Nutcracker.
1: It's funny because it is kind of like a running joke among almost all dancers um, because Nutcracker is an annual thing. And it's like if, you know, you hear the music of the Sugar Plum Fairy in all commercials um, and <laughs> everyone's like, as soon as they hear that music, they're like, I want to run away. Um, but I guess for me, especially since the pandemic happened, um, I feel like I have renewed appreciation for the Nutcracker because it's such a, it's a holiday classic. It's very traditional. There, again, there are different versions um, with different companies, but the story is often across the board uh, quite similar. Um, but I think there's something about the magic of it, of us performing the Nutcracker during such a special time of year. And I know it's so accessible to families and, um, basically anyone who wants an introduction to ballet. And I think that's a great thing. And I feel like, yes, it's the same music. Yes. It's normally the same choreography for us every year. I still manage to find new things about it. And it it is, I guess it's magical in a way. It always is. So, um, I don't mind it anymore. (laughs) I used to have, um, a lot, A lot of shows sometimes with um, back in Royal Winnipeg, we would have uh, almost a whole month of Nutcracker. And that, you know, by the uh, 28th show, you know, you were like, okay, I I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) Um, There may have been days like that, but uh, not recently. Recently, I feel like every show is special and I do my best to deliver because every audience that comes is different. And I think everyone deserves the same amount of effort, as a performer um, that I, I should put the same amount of effort into it. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, I like that answer. I do feel like it was very uh, politically correct. I'm not sure whether you truly <laughs> told me what your least favorite. Oh, uh, you
1: know, thing that you that's did. right. Least favorite. Um, honestly, I don't, I don't have a least favorite. Honestly, I just, I prefer uh, story ballets over, say things very neoclassical or um new new work um but that's just me I still you know love working with choreographers and um doing new works so it it just depends but I can't say I have things that I hate I don't (laughs) so
0: or that you don't (laughs) put on the record
1: Yeah, sure. Let's go with that.
0: (laughs) So I looked it up. The ballet that I I the other ballet I saw was you 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 mentioned one of them. I think it was a combo of a bunch. Love is in the air, which was Ruby's Anya song, and then Tango Forever.
1: Ah. Ah, Yes, yes, yes.
0: That's the other one. That was
1: actually right before the pandemic, I think. Mm -hmm.
0: That was that was your least favorite. That's what that's what you (laughs) described. No, because that
1: would have probably been a highlight of that year, because after that, we went into lockdown. So.
0: Yeah. I got you. So you, do you have any favorites?
1: My favorite is Swan Lake and Don Quixote. Um, I can't dispute that. Um, something about Swan Lake, you know, it's probably odd for a human being to portray a swan, (laughs) but Ed Tchaikovsky's music and just the story. It's a fairy tale. So I, I love it. Um, Don Quixote is also another classic. It's very different from Swan Lake. It's a lot more earthy, grounded. She's, you know, the the uh, main girl is, uh, is a town girl. So, you know, she has this flair and she has a Spanish heritage and she's very fiery. So I love that about her. Um, so that's more of a fun ballet. But yeah, I think those two would be my favorites.
0: Is there any ballets that have you know you are obviously already doing so much so let me just throw more at more on on the ballet dancer is there any ballets that have you know spoken word or is it all music and dancing uh,
1: at least traditional ballets never have spoken words but with like contemporary or modern uh, pieces they may have um, depending on the choreographer um, and sometimes they might use songs too. So that's possible. Um, but generally you wouldn't see say singing or talking and stuff like, stuff like
0: that. Yeah. yeah. Are, you, are you ready to, are you ready to sign up for one of those uh, act and also sing as well? Is that something that's in your wheelhouse? Um,
1: I don't foresee that. I very much, I prefer keeping my mouth shut, as funny as that is. <laughs> um, I love, um, you know, expressing through body language and gestures. Um, for some reason, that just speaks better to me. But I'm working on the talking bit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's definitely not, at least not singing, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah, No, I, I only kid. I, I mean, even though there's not words, sometimes you forget because it is very Know, the, the dancing is very expressive and i feel like mm-hmm. you know there's sometimes that there are you know the, the story is definitely carried well through the dance so i don't want to discount that at all i think that's it's mm-hmm. awesome and that and it's it's just shows the the talent in you know most uh most professional ballet dancers that they are able to convey what they they are without ever really even saying anything mm-hmm. so tell us how uh you know i i guess you you, you mentioned all these things that people can do in the future. I don't know exactly how old you are, how long you you plan on continuing as a professional uh, ballet dancer, but what does the future hold for you both as a ballet dancer? Um, and then also after, after that.
1: I mean, you know, life rarely works out as it, as you plan it. I found that all throughout, all throughout my life. <laughs> I'm 26, by the way. Um, and uh, I hope to keep going at least until my late 30s. I think I've taken good care of my body and I think um, I'll be able to go to that age. And I also want to end at my peak rather than me declining um, because I think I want to be remembered as, you know, as the dancer that, um, that I was at my peak. So um, I wouldn't want to force myself to continue just for the sake of continuing. Um, for the future, I think I've actually recently gotten certified as a personal trainer, um, which I also have to recertify every two years because of all the knowledge about, you know, exercise and movement and all that. But I'm, I would actually love to help, um, just adults and, um, older adults in general too, um, just to sort of promote health and the importance of exercise and how it's, It's um, it plays a role in, you know, preventing so much diseases and um, just prolongs your life because you're just healthier. Um, So I would love to just, I guess, give back to the community in that sense after I finish my dancing career. It's not solidified yet, but I think um, learning about the body and I I love anatomy. So um, I would love to dig a little deeper into that and see if I could help other people not necessarily dancers, um, but just like regular people and just, um, see if I can make a difference in the community that way. Yeah.
0: Nothing, but nothing, but the best with, with both of those, tell us how yeah. we can, uh, how we can connect with you. I, you know, obviously if you're in the Indianapolis area, check out the, you know, you can plug the Indianapolis ballet, but I mean, and being mm-hmm. honest, you know, 90% of the people that listen are, are from places pretty far away to catch a show. So maybe just plug yourself and you can plug the 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 company too if you want
1: yeah sure um well i suppose my public instagram um it's at yoshiko Kamakusa. um and the company's instagram is at indie Valley. um yeah i uh i post as much as i can and uh, promote our shows and sometimes the process as well so feel free to check that out
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely well i appreciate your time it's been awesome
1: yeah thank you
0: so that was Yoshiko Kamakusa learned a ton from her just about ballet in, in general you know I've been to a few ballets definitely not an expert but learning about you know that art form was really really cool learning about the day in and day out world of being a professional and that being your full time job it's an interesting perspective an interesting thing to learn about glad Yoshiko uh, agreed to to join me I do urge you, you know, check out wherever you're from, check out your local ballet, check out your local, you know, art forms in, in any any form, if you will. Uh, I, I think that that's a, a huge thing. I, I think that supporting your local arts is always a, a really cool thing, and I, I, you're seldom, uh, seldom disappointed when you, you go to a play or a ballet and just kind of see that talent. No, uh, no difference here if you do happen to be in the Indianapolis area. Uh, the Indianapolis Ballet puts on some amazing performances. Uh, do urge you to check them out. Check out your your local ballet, as I, I mentioned. Check out Yoshiko's um, Instagram and, and those connection points. She she shouted out. Those will be in the show notes. Of course, check us out. Um, not to podcasts on Instagram. not in to help with Jackson F on Facebook. JacksonF.com. All of those areas. Appreciate that. If you haven't already. Do subscribe, follow on Spotify and Apple. Leave that five-star review. Write a review. That's even more awesome. Um, But uh, glad you're here. If this is your first time, go check out some previous episodes. Interviewed all kinds of amazing people. Uh, But I hope you stick around. Hope to see you next week. And take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.